I just want to say that you have got to be the most insipid, ridiculously idiotic, moronic person I've ever heard on any form of media. Exiled by society, friends, lovers, and terrestrial radio. A guy with literally nothing left to lose. For 15 years, he's been telling it like it is. This is the Zip Code Famous Michael Groff Show. told me we'd be having a Mets-Royals World Series at the start of the Major League Baseball season. I don't know if I would have bought that. Especially not the Mets part. But here it is. Tomorrow night. Big deal. Kind of is, actually. I I wish at the beginning of the season there's somebody on the radio that I remember who called up at the very beginning of the season and said he was going to put... 50 bucks on the Mets to win it all. And I think they were... I think the Mets were something like 50 to 1. So if you put 50 bucks on the Mets at 50 to 1, well, good job because you'd be making about 2,500 bucks because I'm pretty sure... Spoiler alert, here's my prediction for the World Series. Pretty sure the Mets are going to win the World Series and probably, probably in seven games. Better pitching generally wins World Series, folks. And they have the better starting pitching. They have the better closer. Overall, the Royals have the better bullpen. But there's my World Series analysis. Mets in seven games. I'd like to see the the Royals win. Believe me, I'm rooting for the Royals. But I always root for the underdog. Man, pretty crappy weekend for me, though. The baseball was nice. I, I, you know, I always love baseball season. It's too bad that it's coming to an end, but uh, just a crappy weekend IRL, folks. Uh, last night was great. I actually went out with the family uh, for dinner. It was a beautiful evening. It was weird. The sky turned like an orange-pink sort of last night. There was an overcast, these sort of high cloud overcast that we had most of the day yesterday and while it was kind of a warm day we had a pretty nice evening so when we went out to dinner the sky started to turn to this weird like kind of red then orange then pinkish sort of color it was a weird glow in the air it was very strange and it was cool and um i don't know about 80 degrees last night when we went out and went over to this burger place it's called deluxe very nice place um not too far from where I live and uh, had some burgers, had some beer, had just a nice time, went over to the revamped dive bar that we normally go to afterwards. And that was a a really nice time. So that's not part of the bad weekend. Uh, There was a good portion of the weekend that was just not so good for me. And uh, hopefully I'm trying to get past it. It's definitely a mental hurdle that I am currently uh, tackling and trying to get past. But, uh, Maybe something I'll rant about at some point. There's no question that I actually will talk about this stuff because over the years, 
I have talked about just about anything else that has gone on with my life personally, professionally, or otherwise at some point. Uh, there's Anybody that knows me knows there's a lot of stuff that has been aired here. Uh, and maybe one day it'll just all come out. I don't know. Maybe I'll write a book. I actually have started to write some things down that I would put into a book uh, about dealings with, well, just all sorts of stuff. Just personal anecdotes and real life stuff that I would just love to put out into a book. I don't really want to give anything away, but there, are, I do have ideas that are floating around uh, for that. So who knows? But it was... Uh, it was an interesting weekend from that standpoint. Uh, that's why I'm doing these podcasts, really, because the more I work, the less I think about that stuff. And really, when people ask why I've done this show and what's the motivation behind it, what I talk about, and it's not just politics, it's not just news, it's not just stories about a guy that you know gets his head stuck in a toilet or something. I mean, sure, that's part of it, but part of it is just the divesting of... All of these things that build up within me, all these rants that I have, all of these things I see in society or in the news or in general, and I just want to get it out there and talk about it. Um, and then part of it is because it is a good distraction from all of that other nonsense that I deal with. And that's what I think some people, that's why they become workaholics. Uh, because it's a distraction. That's why some people turn to reading books or playing video games or doing whatever it is. A lot of people do stuff because they just don't want to deal with the the crap that they would otherwise have to deal with in their real life. And they need an escape. They need some sort of avenue to get away from things. And maybe that's where I'm going right now. And that's why I've been spending... Maybe that's part of the reason these shows take forever. Because maybe I'm... Here's here's my psychology. Maybe I'm deliberately taking longer. That way, I don't have to think about other stuff. I don't know. The longer I do these shows, the less I'll have to worry about spending money for a psychologist, I think. That's <laughs> that's where I'm at right now. Uh, all right. Well, whatever. Who cares about all that, right? Um, we have a, a World Series to talk about. And more importantly, we have a World Series to potentially gamble on. All of you gamblers out there, I think this series, at last check, it was still a, a pick em, which means neither side is favored. So it's, it's even money. So uh, I'm not sure. I'm telling you right now, I would go with the Mets. But then again, I said at the beginning of the season, I didn't think the Arizona Diamondbacks would win 72 games. They wound up winning, what, 79? So that didn't work out so well. Um, I was right about the Twins, though. I thought the Twins would do well, and they just barely missed the playoffs. So, I don't know. Take my advice with a grain of salt. I haven't been very good at calling these uh, these uh, baseball seasons, these, these postseasons uh, of late. Uh, but I do believe that the Mets have the pitching to win the World Series. You know, I was looking through the paper, and I saw today that or maybe it was yesterday now. I, I don't know. The days all run together. But I saw they do one of these comparisons between New York and Kansas City. So they talk about, you know, all the different stats among the cities and try to compare them that way. Because it's just a fun thing to do when the World Series comes around. Um, who has the best food? Who has the best culture? Who has the biggest assholes? Which, of course, New York City wins. Um that's always a fun thing to do. but So we're going to do a little something like that here on the show. But we're going to do it something more germane to well, what I would normally do. And that is 
who has the best radio play-by-play guys i have to tell you so i you know i have the the at bat app and you can listen to the different radio play-by-play people when you listen to games so sometimes i'm out someplace and i can't see the video so i have to listen to the to games and i'm since i'm into baseball i listen or watch games a lot during the regular season so i'm familiar with a lot of the play-by-play guys on tv and radio for all these different uh, major league baseball teams and they all drive you crazy because some of them are just so terrible uh, John Sterling is just, <laughs> well, he's John Sterling and he's bad, but the Royals and the Mets, I'll say this two of, there's really some bad radio play by play on both sides here. So I'm not sure which one wins in that department or loses in that department. But, um, if you ever listen to the Kansas city Royals play by play, here's just a sample. This is actually something I had pulled from last year, but this is when, the Royals clinched the playoffs for the first time in 29 years. This was from last season. And listen to how dull and lifeless the Kansas City Royals play-by-play guy, Denny Matthews, is when making this call. And also note that this is your classic play-by-play voice announcer guy. Here you go. Here's, here's, <laughs> here's their call. So the Royals won out away from... Going to the playoffs. Going to the playoffs. Yeah. Right-handed hitter. Right-handed hitter. Yeah. Greg Holland brings it home. Bang. High pop-up. <laughs> it is playable. Perez looking for it. And he's got it. And he's got it. And Kansas City, you are in the playoffs. Kansas City, you are in the playoffs. First time since 1985. Yeah. Boys celebrate on the field. Yeah. Here so comes in the, the playoffs. That's the a real voice. Yet to be determined. That is that is his real voice. Well, I, I don't know. It's his real the voice. Royals have done it. They'll <laughs> be in the postseason tournament. Final score three to one. Final score three to one. I swear they clinched the playoffs, and this guy has. It's the most. You would have thought it was just another regular season game. You would have thought they lost the way. And there's a high pop up, and the second baseman comes. He's base. Makes the catch, and the Royals have clinched the playoffs. Kansas City, you are in the playoffs for the first time since 1985. <laughs> That's Denny Matthews, the Royals play-by-play. Yeah, I can just imagine. <laughs> it's another, he goes to the McDonald's drive-thru. Yes, I'd like a McFlurry. You guys are serving breakfast all day now. Well, then I'll take a sausage McMuffin with egg. I don't understand why people have to put on that phony voice, whether it's Diamondbacks announcer Greg Shelter puts on this voice, or it's that voice, right? And show the Royals. And it's the most boring play-by-play call. I've, I heard him uh, calling a Ben Zobrist home run in the, I think it was game four. There's a high fly ball into deep right center field, and Ben Zobrist has hit his second home run of the game. It's 3-1 to one Kansas City. That is even more bland than Skip Carey, who used to call games for the Braves. High fly ball on the right field. And going back at the track at the wall, it's a walk-off grand slam. Most exciting play I've ever seen. Like, that is it's just that's terrible. But don't worry, there's competition. Mets play-by-play voice Josh Lewin, who used to be the 
TV voice of the Rangers. He's done the NFL on Fox. Uh, this guy's been all over the place, but now he's the Mets radio play-by-play guy and the one of the first play-by-play guys I know of to have a speech impediment. And I, like legit, he has, he has, he he talks like this. This is legitimately his voice. If you ever watch, there's there's interviews with the guy, and he talks like this. He's a super nerd, and he's <laughs> here's here's David Wright. <laughs> Here you go. This is, again, I just had to look this up in our soundbite library. I don't have anything current, so this is like from last year. But he's still the play-by-play voice, uh, and he still sounds pretty much like this. Here's Mets Radio, Josh Lewin. Pretty safe lead off a third for Lagar. So there's a ball in the dirt. Doesn't necessarily mean he's going to come in and score. The 0-1. Curve, socked in the air to right field. That's up. That's to the track. That's to the wall. A slam! Ball game! Davis wins it! They're gonna mob him! They're gonna mob him at home place! The Mets win it on a walk-off slam from the forgotten man! Yes! Mike Davis, we remember you, kid! Mike Davis! We remember you, kid! I haven't been this excited since I rolled a natural 20! Home run, right field, Ike Davis, and your yes. final is six to three. Your final is six to three. I just have to hear that one. A slam! I just, I just have to hear that one more time, guys. Noobs. Pretty safely Stupid noobs. Third for Lagares. So if there's a ball in the dirt, doesn't necessarily mean he's going to come in and score. Lagares. The yes. one curve, socked in the air to right field. That's up. That's to the track. That's to the wall. A slam! Ball game. Davis wins it. <laughs> <laughs> They're gonna mob him. Yeah. They're gonna mob him at home plate. At home plate. At least he gets excited. I'll give him that. The forgotten man, Mike Davis. We remember you, kid. They're jumping. I'll tell you, if the plate. if that was the Royals play-by-play guy, and he was a high fly ball to right field, and Ike Davis hits a grand slam, and the Mets win it six to three. And now time for the for the post game show here at. Royals Radio Network. So at least Josh Lewin does have some inflection in his voice. Uh, Denny Matthews has been the voice of the Kansas City Royals for 47 years, going all the way back to 1968. Wow. Guy's got to be closing in on 100, though, because where's a high fly ball? My dentist just flew out. Get me a moment here. So I don't know. I have I have a lot of fun with this stuff. If you can't tell, if if you think I like to just come in here and talk about Ben Carson and Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton, Bernie Sanders all day, I just I would rather talk about radio play by play guys and how obnoxious they are. Listen, I don't mind. I, I really the reason I have a problem with guy guys that are like this and uh, don't put a lot of feeling or excitement uh, into the game is because. The problem with it is I, I do like my announcers, you know, to have a little bit of energy, a little bit of excitement. You know, you still talk like a human being. You don't have to talk like this. Um, still have a little bit of a little fun. You don't have to be a total homer, though. You can be a little bit. Don't go overboard. Don't go the Hawk Harrelson route and give me the you can put it on the boat. Where's that? at? Here we go. You can put it on the boat. Yeah. Oh. You can put it on the ball. Well, I mean, while we're at it, might as well go for the full the full Monty. 
Where's that? Uh, here we go. The pitch is chopped right back to Rivera. Turns, flips to first in time. Ball game over. Yankees win. The Yankees win. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> I just, I don't know. Listen, that's that's John Sterling, obviously. There's, there's certain things you just can't take. Yankees win. The Oh, God. I just forgot how cringeworthy he is. I always forget every time. Oh, him and his... <laughs> all of that stuff. Oh, God. It's a Johnny Rocket. Oh, God. Yeah, John Sterling was... Uh, it still is the most cringeworthy guy in all of baseball. But, boy, there are other guys that are close... Look, I like Vin Scully. He's 80-something years old. He's been doing uh, Dodger games since, what, 1949. And I I still like Vin Scully, but um, as long as you don't shout like this, I suppose it's probably okay. And the right-hander is set about chest eye. The payoff. Swung on and hit in the end of deep right center. That ball is high. Yeah, it's far. Yeah, yeah. Another big hit for Johnny Damon. He drilled it in the right center field bleachers. A three-run home run. Uh, it's a Johnny Rocket. And the Yankees take a 5-3 lead. Oh, God. So at least we don't have to hear the Yankees or the or the White Sox. We don't have to hear Ken Harrelson, Hawk Harrelson in the uh, World Series. We don't have to worry about any of that. But boy, oh, boy, there you go. All right. Well, that was fun. Um, let me take a break, and then we'll come back and talk about some other real stuff that's going on. I just thought I'd throw that out there. Some some fun stuff. Speech impediment announcers, old guys, fun times on the old radio dial. So if you uh, do yourself a, a favor, treat yourself to listen to the Royals play-by-play announcer. Uh, I know they have other guys to do play-by-play for them, too, but they're all boring. They should have me do it. I would make it a lot more interesting. Trust me. Well, I would talk like a human being. But if they want, I'll just, I'll do this voice instead. Here's Ben Jobrist. I'll just do that. I'll just make random noises. I'll be the color analyst. <laughs> Denny Matthews will sit there and talk. Yeah, hey there. Welcome to Kansas City Royals baseball. And I'll sit there and I'll just make noise. I'll just go. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's just my role. Well, he's well, he's talking. I'll just make random sounds in the background. Why not? So the Royals one out away from going to the playoffs. Right-handed yeah. hitter. Yep. Yep. Greg Holland brings it home. Yes, he did. High pop up. Where? It is playable. Yeah. Perez looking for it. Yeah. And he's got it. And Kansas City, you are in the playoffs. Yeah. I'll just do that. Oh, you can hear the, the color analyst is clapping. Celebrate on the field. Yeah. That's green. Here so comes the in the playoffs. The opponent is yet to be determined. Yet to be determined. All right. Anyway, what we'll do is we'll take, we'll take a break. And uh, I'm just having way too much fun with this. I need to stop. All right. We'll be back. It's the Zip Code Famous Michael Groff Show. The Zip Code Famous Michael Groff Show. You're young and you got your health. 
what you want with the job. The Michael Graff Show. We're so just makes me crazy. Just another example of how the divorce laws in this country are so screwed up. So, John Frusciante, the guitarist from the Red Hot Chili Peppers, getting a divorce from his wife, Nicole Turley. And this is just a story. I, I, I have to tell you, Another reason why, if you have anything whatsoever, sign a prenuptial agreement. If over 50% of the marriages in this country end in divorce, why wouldn't you get a prenup? I understand you're just some schlub. You have nothing. You're some woman. You have nothing to your name. I get it. So you don't think you need a prenup. You should get a prenup anyway. It's just reasonable. It's just smart. You're entering an arrangement, yes. You're also entering a business arrangement. Why would you not go into a business arrangement without putting things down in writing? It just makes sense, right? So, um, let's see. Here we go. They decided to file for divorce in May. And initially, Frusciante offered his wife $20,000 to help her uh, work out her financial situation and and she he was going to pay her like 20 grand a month i guess well turley said that's not enough she says that she needed $75,000 a month to quote maintain her lifestyle that she had become accustomed to well you knew that that was coming and i always say whenever these arguments come up about a lifestyle that you've become accustomed to well I've become accustomed to having sex with you on a regular basis, but that's not going to happen anymore. So if I'm not getting regular sex, you need to not get $75,000 a week anymore. You need to become unaccustomed to having the spa treatments and living in the giant house and being a part of the red hot chili pepper fortune that I had amassed. Sorry, um, that's just the way it goes. The legal papers filed last week. Uh, the guitarist insists that he shouldn't have to keep funding her musical efforts. She's a musician, incidentally. She's a musician, and uh, let me just give you a hint. She doesn't have the kind of success that he did with the Red Hot Chili Peppers. What? You've never heard of Nicole Turley's band? Yeah, that's right. Well, she spends $21,000 
a month to rent a recording studio. The case went back to court on uh, Monday when a Los Angeles judge raised Frusciante's monthly fee to $53,395. He has to pay 50, almost fifty-four grand a month to this woman who contributed exactly zero notes, zero chords, zero songwriting to the entire Red Hot Chili Peppers collaboration over the last 25 years. Uh, she gave absolutely nothing to that. And I know for those of you that are about to jump on me, all of you out there in the audience that go, well, she stuck by him through thick and thin, and she was there while the band was toiling away and working their way up the ladder in the music scene. No, they got married four years ago. I don't even think the Red Hot Chili Peppers have put out an album in the last four years. So, no, she is not entitled to, you can't use that argument of, well, she was there with him through thick and thin, and she stood by him through all of the efforts and all of the band's work throughout the years. No, that doesn't fly. Uh, it's a four-year marriage. She is not entitled to $54,000 a year. Hey, look, I'm all for fairness in divorce. Don't get me wrong, okay? Uh, if you're not going to sign a prenup, I understand. We have divorce laws. I think they're ridiculous, but I do think that some fairness needs to apply, especially in the case of children, all right? But there's apparently there's no children here. But regardless, I'm all for fairness, but what's fair about somebody that's never that wasn't a part of the fortune going into the relationship, had nothing to do with most of the money that was made during the course of the relationship, suddenly benefiting to the tune of $54,000 a month. That's insanity. He also ordered the rocker to cover his wife's living expenses, which include $14,000 for rent and utilities and pick her up uh, or pick up her $71,000 legal fees. The ruling is only temporary until the former couple, which again married in 2011, settle their divorce. But for now, he has to pay 54 grand, almost 54 grand a month. Wow. I tell you right now, this is why people have such a horrible opinion of divorce and of the opposite sex. And believe me, there are dudes that do the same thing, okay? I'm not saying that it's just women that are gold digging here. There are dudes that turn around and do the exact same thing in divorce. But in all fairness, divorce laws generally favor women in this country. And again, when kids are involved, I can understand to some extent... But when no kids are involved, why do the divorce laws still favor women? If we want to talk about fairness and we have these candidates running that are all about uh, making everything fair and bringing things together and doing all this, how about we restructure the divorce laws in this country? Man, because something really needs to be done real fast. If, if having to pay $53,000, $54,000 a month um, is just ridiculous. They should, I really should probably become an attorney because if I was Frusciante's attorney here, uh, this is exactly how I'd handle it. I would turn to Nicole Turley and I would just, I would pull out of my bag a stack of all the singles that the Red Hot Chili Peppers released over the years. I would say, uh, Your Honor, uh, let, me, let me present to the court. This is a copy of uh, Under the Bridge. 
here's scar tissue, here's give it away, here's suck my kiss, here's roller coaster, here's uh, Californication, uh, Danny California. I would just go on and on. I'd list all of them. I'd say, um, now, Miss Turley, can you tell me which one of these songs you performed on? Can you tell me which one of these songs you played guitar or wrote or helped author or otherwise construct, compose any of these songs? Can you point out to the court, please, which one of these songs you contributed on? Mm-hmm. None of them, right? Well, that's interesting. So let me ask you a question, ma'am. So you are saying that you contributed absolutely nothing to the composition of any of these works and yet you seek compensation from my client of almost $54,000 a month having contributed absolutely nothing to the wealth that you're trying to get a piece of. I see. <laughs> like, on what planet does somebody think they need or they deserve that kind of money? I know. I'm going to hear it from people. I know. I get it. But I, I would say this about anybody. I would say this in any case, no matter what. Uh, when somebody is getting screwed by the divorce laws, I'm totally for fairness. Don't get me wrong. Fair is fair. And dude was willing to pay $20,000 a month. If I was her, I'd be like, holy crap, he's going to pay me $20,000 a month. I was married to him for four years and I'm getting twenty grand a month. I'm getting as much money in a month as most people make in six months? Are you kidding? Yes. I would I would have said, where do I sign? But no, she said, no, nah, I need 75 grand. I got accustomed to a lifestyle. Oh, and I also need 14 grand for rent and utilities. So I really need close to 100 grand a month, actually, uh, to maintain the lifestyle that I had become accustomed to in the last four years, by the way. The lifestyle that my life has changed in the last four years. Yeah, well, his lifestyle is about to change, too. Believe me. All right. What else is going on? Oh, I see that the movies that were out this weekend didn't do very well. Box office results are in. And not a single movie topped the $10 million mark for uh, box office take in this weekend. I'm just looking at all these movies that are out right now on this list here, and not a single one of them appears to be worthy of getting me off my ass to go to a theater. Now, keep in mind that I haven't gone to see a movie in about five years. And I've talked about this on the show quite a bit. I think the last movie I saw in the theater was the Tron uh, remake, or not remake, but the the sequel that was out in, what, late 2010, early 2011. That was probably the last movie I saw in the theater. I know Tron and Avatar were the last two movies. So, I don't know. There's that. So, I don't necessarily take my word for it on what's great. I, I just don't go to movies anymore because I just don't find a lot of stories compelling. Like, I look at this list and not, not any of them seem to be that interesting to me. The Steve Jobs movie I've heard is good. And I understand that the film is about the, you know, the former Apple CEO who's currently dead. And it's supposedly details quite a bit about his life and the fact that for as brilliant and innovator as he was technologically, uh, as great a business savvy person as he was, 
He had a very troubled personal life, a lot of stuff that we kind of knew about him. So that's great, and uh, I guess, but I've kind of already seen the story. I've already read about Steve Jobs, so I don't know why I'd want to go see that. Although, again, supposedly it's well done. Uh, it still didn't even get $10 million bucks at the box office, though. So I don't know. The Last Witch Hunter, not doesn't seem that interesting. Paranormal Activity, The Ghost Dimension, Rock the Casbah, and I didn't even know this one was out. Gem and the Holograms, which is a movie based on the 80s cartoon series, I guess. I guess there was a big demand to release Jem, who, of course, is truly outrageous. Truly, truly, truly outrageous. And uh, I, I, <laughs> I didn't know that they actually released that. I, I had no idea that that was uh, out in theaters, but there you go. Uh, let's see how the... Oh, Rock the Casbah. Here's... Okay, so... Let's see if this motivates you to go out and see this movie. Rock the Casbah, an open road films release starring Bill Murray is a washed up music producer who finds a star in Afghanistan. Yeah, not exactly Caddyshack, all right? <laughs> not exactly Groundhog Day. Not exactly a movie that I am just going to rush out to see. Uh, I like Bill Murray and everything, but come on, man. Apparently, a lot of people are with me on this one because it only grossed $1.5 million, came in 13th place this past weekend. So I don't think too many people are rushing out. That would have been the worst release of the weekend, but for the fact... Oh, here we go. Gem and the Holograms uh, also opened this weekend. The reboot of the 1980s children's show grossed only $1.3 million. Both of those movies have now beaten the low set by Zac Efron's We Are Your Friends, which opened in August at only $1.76 million. So obviously those are big bombs, huge flops. Um, a lot of these movies scored well with audiences based on um, uh, cinema score market research. So for example, Steve Jobs had a grade of A-. Jim received a B plus. See, this is what I don't get. It these received pretty decent grades, but nobody went to see them. I guess what happens is the people that did go to see them came back and said, "I really thought Jim was outrageous. It's a B plus, not bad. A minus for Steve Jobs." This is the people I imagine that are on Cinema Score. Oh, here we go. Uh, Paranormal received a C. Box office results, though, for the year are still up over last year. But this was one of the worst weekends of the year. In fact, it was the worst weekend of the year for box office. Now, traditionally, October is not necessarily a big blockbuster month. So we'll see. Obviously, Star Wars is going to come out. Star Wars will skew the average quite a bit. When Episode 7 hits, you can count on it. Uh, people are going to go out in droves to see it. And it's look, people are already waiting uh, online for I don't know the, they're going to be waiting for two months to see this nerds everywhere. I've never understood the whole idea of having to be the first person to see a movie. I I know nowadays with social media, it's what do they call it? Social currency. When you see a, a movie first, you automatically have that social currency to go out and talk about it on Facebook or Twitter or whatever. You're like, I'm, I saw it. Here's my review. Ha. I guess I'm just, 
I just know that the movie is still going to be there the following week. And I can go see it then if I want to. Or I know that in a couple of months it's going to come out on demand or it'll uh, appear on DVD or it'll come out on Netflix or whatever and I'll be able to see it then. I don't have to go out and see it right away. Especially when you consider the fact that movies are 10 to 12 bucks. It's expensive, man. <laughs> if, I, if I dare want to get something to drink while I'm at the movie theater, forget it. You're not getting out for anything less than 20 bucks. I can sit on my ass in my underwear and watch it for free at my house or, you know, $7.99 a month on Netflix. I don't know. I don't really need to see it that badly or I can just pirate it. <laughs> There's that. Not that I would ever advocate anybody doing such a thing, but that is a legitimate option. All right. Um, here's something kind of weird. This is, speaking of reviews and media, apparently there's a woman on Amazon.com that has reviewed over 31,000 books. Her name is Harriet Klausner, or Klausner. She has, uh, well, she's gone off to the great library in the sky, apparently. She reviewed exactly 31,014 books. A self-described speed reader, Klausner was a former librarian. She tore through four to six books a day. In 2006, Time Magazine listed her as a person of the year who had a significant impact on the information age. Klossner's reviews weren't in any particular depth, but she perfected the art of quickly speed reading and uh, encapsulating the plot so that uh, you know she was able to give a brief recommendation. Her formula seemed to work. She was ranked the number one reviewer for the site until uh, the reviewing metrics changed uh, a couple of years ago, but she still retained a number one position in the Hall of Fame, blah, 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 blah. So this Harriet Klossner, 31,014 reviews on Amazon, and now she is dead. Apparently, she had some health problems. She posted a review, though, as recent as October the 12th. What gets me about this story is, okay, so this here's the story about this, and then there's comments below about it. And what's weird is someone dies. Okay, here's a person that's that literally spent their life. Obviously, they had health problems. They really couldn't go out of the house much. So someone, I, I don't know, that was her thing. Her, her passion was books, I guess. Being a librarian, that would make sense. And here she reads all these books. She dies, whatever. People write some pretty mean crap about her. Here's a, her reviews sucked. <laughs> They're all the same, three paragraphs, and she gave every book three to four stars. Well, look, whatever. So what? She reviewed more. And then people are like, I don't understand how she could have really read these books and gotten into them. How she could have really engrossed herself in a story when you're reading four to six a day. And then some people say, I don't believe that she actually read those. Her reviews seemed uh, like a copy paste of what was written on the back of the book, blah, blah, blah. Come on, man. Obviously, there's some jealousy there. People, Lady reads 31,000 books and people are upset about it. I don't know. It's kind of weird. 
So that's the, uh, yeah, the people write nasty comments even on the obituary. Now, luckily, it didn't degrade into a political debate. Like, it wasn't like, Obama is a socialist. Uh, <laughs> you know, it didn't de de degenerate into that. It did degenerate into name-calling, though, so whatever. All right. Well, I've got a lot of other stuff still to get into, but first I should probably take a break. Man, Michael Savage, I think, has completely gone off the deep end. Maybe that's happened a long time ago, but boy, oh boy, uh, we've got to talk about this guy coming up. Harriet Klossner, who read over 31,000 books. Michael Savage has probably written over 31,000 books. This guy has another new book out. He basically uses his radio show to promote his books, and he uses his books, I believe, to promote his radio show. It's very cyclical. It's very interesting. But I don't know if... I know people think sometimes... Uh, I, and somebody wrote in not maybe about two years ago to tell me that I sound like Michael Savage sometimes. Hey, look, I realize I may sometimes come across as an old curmudgeon, but if I ever start sounding like Michael Savage, then it's just time for me to retire, clearly, because... Well, you be the judge. Got some audio. We're going to play that for you coming up. He basically compares Barack Obama to Hitler. So that's really exciting. Plus, a whole lot more still to get into. You know how we do it here. We'll be back. Zip code famous. Michael Grav Show. MichaelGrav.com. douchebag Martin Shkreli and believe me if you've been listening to the show over the last couple of weeks you know exactly who it is and you know exactly why he's a douchebag he's the CEO of Touring Pharmaceuticals the company we first brought to your attention that took the price of Daraprim which is a drug used to treat AIDS and cancer patients this is the guy that raised the price of that drug from $13.50 a pill to $750 per tablet. And 
So we brought that about, and then we mentioned that he was facing some investigation from the let's see the New York Attorney General's office. Well, now. In a big win for the consumer, in a big win for the free market system, it seems that there's some competition on the market. In Primus Pharmaceuticals Incorporated, which is a specialty pharmaceutical company based in San Diego, announced today that it has made an alternative to Daraprim that costs about a dollar a pill or $99 for a 100 pill supply. Quote, while we respect Turing's right to charge patients and insurance companies whatever it believes is appropriate, there may be more cost-effective compounded options to medications such as Daraprim. According to Mark L. Baum, CEO of Imprimus, uh, he released a news release and talked about this entire situation. And look at that. The free market has stepped up and decided that Martin Shkreli is, in fact, uh, a piece of crap. <laughs> wow, that's great. The alternative is not exactly the same as Daraprim, but it's close. Daraprim's active ingredient is pyrimethamine, uh, which has been available since 1953 for the treatment of parasitic diseases, namely malaria and toxoplasmosis. Anyway, Imprimus Alternative also contains pyromethine or whatever, as well as leucoverin, which the company said helps to reverse pyromethine's uh, negative effects on bone marrow. I don't know. Some of these some of these drugs are like 82 syllable words, so whatever. But the point is, they came up with an alternative to this drug that the Turing Pharmaceutical Companies released, and they are going to put it out for a dollar a pill. Take that. The price increase of Daraprim announced last month sparked widespread controversy um, and a huge backlash against the company founder and chief executive Martin Shkreli. If you want to see something exciting, you should check out Martin Shkreli's Twitter sometime. You should see some of the comments people write toward him. Uh, people are not too happy. Imagine you're the CEO of a pharmaceutical company and you've raised the price of a drug that people need by 5,000%. Yeah, you're not going to be all that popular. So do yourself a favor. It's a real treat. Go over there and check out his Twitter. Uh, it, if I ever thought I had negative comments directed at me over the years, I have heard nothing like what this guy has said or what this guy's had flung at him. And there's a possible cure for cancer in the works, and it might be something that I have always found to be disgusting, but apparently rhubarb. Rhubarb, the common pudding vegetable, could be a game changer in the fight against several forms of cancer. There's a study out. Uh, they say that uh, this guy, uh, who's the study leader, Jing Chen, said that the potential to base a drug on this pigment is there. It's an exciting area of research. Scientists discovered the power of rhubarb while researching for ways to stop enzyme 6PGD that drives cancer. It's actually been shown to increase in, uh, in several types of tumors. And uh, they say that this... Particular with rhubarb, 
uh, within 48 hours decreased the amount of cancer cells by 50%. So that's pretty exciting. Maybe rhubarb isn't that disgusting after all. Man, people are like, oh, have some rhubarb pie. No, I'm not going to have rhubarb pie. I'm sorry, I'm just not. It's gross. And here's something else. I'm not sure how I feel about this story, but Sesame Street is introducing a new character. <laughs> is this, this is a real thing, apparently. They are introducing a new Muppet character who has autism. All right. <laughs> I mean, why not? Sesame Street has a lot of minority type characters and they're trying to, I, I get what they're doing here. They're trying to get children to be okay with various groups of people. For example, as far as I know, Sesame Street was the first show to have an openly or at least an ambiguously gay couple in Bert and Ernie. Look, they're dudes that share the same bed they uh, spoon, they are obviously, well, I think they're meant to be adults. So I don't know. What, what does that say? They share a bath together sometimes. What, if that's not gay, what is that? And that's fine. That, you're making uh, kids aware of the fact that there are gay people out there. That's fine. That's good. Um, Oscar the Grouch has anger management issues. So we're trying to teach kids that people have different types of situations in their life and that you need to be accepting of people with different types of situations and understanding of people. Uh, what, Snuffleupagus is like agoraphobic. Big Bird obviously has something. Now, I already thought that they had an autistic character, Elmo. <laughs> I already thought, I thought that was what Elmo was supposed to be. But, so this new Muppet is uh, Julia. And... In all seriousness, there is apparently a controversy surrounding it. And not just because Julia is autistic, but because because Julia, uh, well, the anti-vaccination people, the anti-vaxxers are upset. Quote, the rollout of autistic Julia is Sesame Street's attempt to normalize vaccine injuries and depict those vaccinated or victimized by vaccinations as happy, amazing children, rather than admitting the truth that vaccines cause autism in some children, and we should therefore make vaccines safer and less frequent to save those children from a lifetime of neurological damage, wrote Mike the Health Ranger Adams of the Natural News. Oh, brother, the Jenny McCarthy crowd is out there. You know, Jenny McCarthy was another one of these people that was because we can all trust her research. We can all trust what she has to say. She's another one of those people that used to scream about how vaccinations cause autism. And I'm not saying that they don't. I'm not saying that they do. I don't know. I was vaccinated as a child. Most people were. Most people, well, vaccinations are one of those things that's required so that before you can go to public schools in just about every state. So it's a thing. Maybe I could be wrong on this, but I do believe that uh, it's all, isn't it all 50 states now? I don't know. Whatever. The point is that there is definitely some research that's out there that suggests that there could be a link between some vaccinations 
and autism. Uh, however, I don't know if I buy into it. I've certainly read it. I've certainly heard about it. it. It seems a little bit ridiculous because I know autism is up. I know there's a lot more kids being born with autism, but I have a feeling that it has more to do with um, a number of other factors, like the kind of diet people have, maybe more Mothers are drinking when they're pregnant now. Maybe people are waiting to have babies till later in life, which is certainly something that I've also read. And that increases the risk of other health disorders and whatnot. So there's definitely something to be said for all of that. But I don't know. The anti-vaccination people are mad at Sesame Street. Okay. Well, you learn something new every day. And speaking of that perfect transition into this Michael Savage the radio host the conservative radio host who apparently also hates most conservatives well he hates most Republicans because he doesn't think they're conservatives and he obviously hates the liberals and he pretty much doesn't trust most politicians although he is openly endorsing and is openly and very non-apologetically rooting for Donald Trump to win the White House the guy is a, a huge fan of Donald Trump. So this, I'm just giving you some background of where Michael Savage is coming from and his show, The Savage Nation. By the way, his real name is Michael Weiner. I think every time we talk about him, we should point out that as cool as he wants to be, I'm Michael Savage, a guy that is apparently, well, if I had the last name Weiner, I would change my name also, I suppose. So I don't blame him for that. Nevertheless, Michael Savage talks about Barack Obama and compares him to Adolf Hitler. And uh, I don't know. Michael Savage is a weird guy, man. He is really out there. Uh, he has gotten progressively more out there. I talked about this last segment. He writes a book basically every other week. He's always got a new book out. He uses his radio show to promote his books. He uses his books to promote his radio show. And he's all over the place with that. He's a doctor, I guess. But for as much of, a, of an intelligent guy as he professes to be, he certainly doesn't come across as all that intelligent here. All right. I took a piece of his show. Now, I, I will admit that I have edited this down because there was a he did about a 15 minute rant on Barack Obama on not just Obama, but also Mer uh, Merkel from Germany and Trudeau from Canada and some of these other world leaders, comparing them all to Hitler. And then he talked about the decline of our morality and our civilization and all of that. So here we go. Here's a little bit of that from the Michael Savage show from the other day, just to give you an idea of where this dude is coming from. Barack Obama, Merkel, you name it, Trudeau in Canada now are committing a reversal of what Hitler did. Y'all bring up Hitler over and over again to attract your attention. He, they're just as equally psychopathic, but instead of invading other nations, they're invading their own nation. I'll keep repeating this theme today till you get it. Hitler was a psychopath, a madman. He brought his nation to ruin. What did he do? He invaded other nations to impose the Germanic Nazi view upon surrounding nations. Then he wanted to take over the world. What is Obama, Merkel, Trudeau doing? They're invading their own nation with the third world to annihilate their own nation's borders, language, and culture. They're equally psychopathic, and they're doing it for the same exact reasons, which is to hold on to power. You know, Michael Savage, 
He's always been one of these dudes that talks about borders, language, and culture, saying that that's the most important thing. And again, I don't want to be in the precarious position of having to defend Barack Obama, but I will say that I don't think Barack Obama is flooding the country with illegal immigrants. Uh, This is one of those, and I'm no fan of our open border policy in this country. I'm no fan of the fact that we just have People come into this country illegally and then we just allow them to become citizens without uh, any sort of vetting process. And we basically have just given up on the idea of border security and border enforcement. So I, I understand there is certainly frustration on the part of most people when it comes to our, our borders and the fact that they're very porous and that we have a huge problem with crime as a result of our open borders. Nevertheless, this guy's always talking about borders, language, and culture. Well, what, what he's really talking about is he thinks that uh, the English needs to be the official language of the United States, which, hey, would be fine by me. I, 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 I kind of thought it already was, but it'd be fine by me because at least I could get an order right at McDonald's. But <laughs> borders, language, culture, he talks about culture. Like, what culture does the United States have? This We don't have our own inherent culture other than the fact that we are a melting pot. This is a nation of immigrants. And yeah, I'm not for illegal immigrants. Okay, don't get me wrong. I've always spoken out against it. I understand that, look, um, a lot of the crime that's committed, there's a, there's a good percentage of crime committed by illegal immigrants, especially in border states. Believe me, I know here in Maricopa County, more than a fourth of the crime that's committed in this county is committed by illegal immigrants. So I will totally agree with you that something needs to be done. But the fact is that to blame it solely on Barack Obama when, quite frankly, there hasn't been a president that's been interested in solving the problem. Even the great Ronald Reagan, who gave amnesty to two and a half million illegal immigrants back in the 80s, he certainly wasn't interested in cracking down on border security. So, I don't know. To blame Obama for that is very short-sighted. Congress is to blame our... Uh, previous administrations are to blame Bush, Clinton, Bush Sr., Reagan, all these guys. So, I don't know. It's pretty silly. But so anyway, he continues. Power Uber Alice. You get it? Now, what are Western values post-Obama? Western civilization reached its apex in the United States of America. The freest, most prosperous, and most powerful nation in the history of the world. That civilization was built upon principles derived from English common law and tradition, Judeo-Christian morality, and the uniquely American principles of individualism and self-reliance. John Adams famously said that our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. He was right. There has always been a protection against any federal government-mandated religion in this country, as there should be. But religion or some equivalent moral set of principles is a responsibility that goes along with freedom. So he basically says that while there shouldn't be a government-mandated religion, we definitely need, uh, a people need to have a grounded religious or Judeo-Christian belief system, which is nonsense. He, I didn't include it in this clip. Again, I edited this down, but I listened to the entire thing. He talks about atheists being bad, and we don't have any morals because we have vegans and people that do herbal cleansing and people that watch porn and all this other stuff, so... You can tell, real fun guy. Real fun guy, Michael Savage. 
Anyway, he can t- here. I'll play the rest of this. You know, some equivalent moral set of principles is a responsibility that goes along with freedom. We can see the consequences of abandoning that responsibility all around us. Americans barely notice as a rogue president runs roughshod over the Constitution, takes over the health care system, floods the nation with illegal aliens, alienates our allies overseas. As long as the beer is flowing, football is available three nights a week, and porn is available 24-7, they'll stay fat, dumb, and happy. So there you go. There's Michael Savage. Yeah. So he's another guy that doesn't like uh, sports. He doesn't think we should ever talk about sports or have any sort of fun whatsoever. Michael Savage, real blast at parties, I bet. Wow. So if anyone, I, I know, I a couple of years ago, somebody compared me to him and said I sound like him. No, I do not sound like Michael Savage. Because believe me, I will watch sports, I will drink beer, and hey, I've watched porn before. So, but I don't consider myself, well, I am fat. Uh, I'm I'm not dumb, although some people would probably question that statement. I don't believe I'm dumb. And happy, well, whatever. Probably not, but I'm working on it, okay? I'm doing my best, all right? Uh, anyway, so there you go. There's Michael Savage comparing Barack Obama to Adolf Hitler. Good job. Real good job. Blaming Obama for the border problem and I understand he hasn't done anything about it. And I understand he's very much for the open borders and for amnesty. I get it. But really, there's so many other people that you can blame for that. And <laughs> he's flooded this country as if Barack Obama is standing down there at the border. And he's like the Pied Piper leading a bunch of Mexicans into the United States. Like, come on, man. You have to be... I I, I can... Sometimes there's a grain of truth or there's there is a salient point somewhere to be found within a Michael Savage tirade. But the problem is you have to cut through the fact that he is such a melodramatic BSer that it's really hard to get anywhere with it. And that's the problem with a lot of people in media. And one of these days, I just want to talk about what's wrong with media that right there is part of what's wrong with media. That right there is actually one of the reasons that I would never be a very successful nationally syndicated host and probably why I will never be because I am just never going to be an extremist like any of these dudes. You know, any I'm not going to be like a Glenn Beck or a Michael Savage or a Rush Limbaugh or uh, guys on the liberal side, the Mike Malloys and the Tom Hartmans and these guys. I'm always going to be... F- relatively reasonable on most issues not i'm not going to compare somebody to hitler unless they as soon as barack obama starts committing mass genocide then maybe i will the only area where i would say the united states has been like hitler or been like germany nazi germany is in the fact that we do invade other countries and we do try to impose our belief system our political belief system upon those countries like we go over to iraq of course under a completely bs premise and we sit there and we say no 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 we're helping you we're liberating you here have democracy well maybe we don't want democracy no you want it you here you're taking it whether you like it or not so that's if you want to make a comparison 
between, and that's not just Obama, but Bush also. If you want to make a comparison between the United States over the last 15 years and Nazi Germany 1935, then I would be willing to at least entertain that. I wouldn't totally agree with it because, again, I don't think we're committing mass genocide of a specific race of people uh, or a specific group of people based upon religion, race, value, whatever. But I would say that we are, um, we have, a, there's definitely characteristics of Nazi Germany that the United States and some of its allies have engaged in over the last 15 years under the guise, of course, of protecting people. Under the guise of, hey, we're liberating you. And believe me, Saddam Hussein was a terrible person, a, a really terrible person. Gassed his own people, committed genocide of his own. Uh, he saw himself as a modern-day Nebuchadnezzar. He was a guy that was evil to the core on so many levels. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, to depose him, I, I didn't shed any tears when he was removed from power. Don't get me wrong. But... Uh, the fact is we went over there, we, we continue to stir up the hornet's nest, and we're like, here, have some democracy. Well, maybe they don't want it. You ever thought of that? Maybe they like to live backwards. Maybe they like to live in the ninth century, which is what they do over there, a lot of those countries. That's what they do. They have the beheadings, and they have the honor killings, and all of that kind of thing, and maybe that's what they're okay with. And you know what? As long as they're not doing it to us, maybe we should just let them be okay with it. Maybe we should let them treat women like third-class citizens. I know, I know it sounds wrong to say it, but the fact is we don't necessarily have the right to go over there and just tell them how to live their lives. We don't tell China what to do. China is just as bad, if not worse, than some of those Middle Eastern countries. They have terrible human rights violations, child labor problems, uh, they mandatory abortions. They do all sorts of terrible things. And do we go over to China and go, yeah, we're going to use our military to impose our will upon you and here, have some democracy. No, we don't do that because China would blow us up. We just do it to countries that we know we can push around. So that is a little bit Nazi Germany-like of us. But to compare specifically Barack Obama to Adolf Hitler because instead of invading other countries, he says... We <laughs> He's allowing, he's opening the door for uh, uh, invasion of illegal immigrants. That's just ridiculous. And, and trust me, not a fan of Obama. But come on, man. You got to be reasonable about this stuff. But then again, telling, telling some of these radio dudes like Michael Savage to be reasonable is, well, I'm wasting my breath at this point. There's nothing reasonable about that guy. But he's promoting a new book. He has a new book out called Government Zero. He says it's the last of the series. I'm telling you, this guy, every time he puts out a new book, he says it's the last book he's putting out. Um, meanwhile, he's he'll have another one out next year. Maybe two years from now. Or next week. <laughs> one of those. <sighs> I don't know. I... Sometimes these guys can make a point, but it's so obfuscated by rhetoric and nonsense and extremist points of view. And the fact that 
they're these old dudes that just sound completely out of touch with everybody. Yeah, Michael Savage is another guy who's against gay marriage. He's another guy who's against... He's literally, he's against anything that isn't man and wife, you know, man and woman, 2.2 kids, a dog, and a picket fence. And don't watch sports because that's wrong. If you watch sports, you're taking your eye off the ball, and this country will come to ruination because you watch sports. What an absolute tool. That's the kind of stuff that really drives people away from media. I don't know. People listen to them, though, so what can I say? Hey, I listen because, well, if I didn't listen, I wouldn't have stuff to talk about. Plus, I kind of have to listen. It's in my business. Groffshow at gmail.com. That is our email address. Groffshow at gmail.com. That's also the PayPal address for the show. So you can make your generous donations. We really, really appreciate you donating to this show because, well, if you do, it means you're awesome. It means that you care. At groffshow at gmail.com. Send money. Michael Groff on Twitter, michaelgroff.com for everything else Michael Groff related. Click the subscribe button. That way you get email notifications every time we post a brand new episode like this one, for instance. We'll see you next time. Good night, everybody.